Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matt, because I say it all the time. I continue will to say it. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, go and grab it. Like, I'm on there right now, and they will get you set for this weekend of wild card action, previews, stories, big picture stuff, the latest on DeMar Hamlin. It is all there. And uh, joining us now, who um, really does an excellent deep dive on what's going on on the field studies the film, and then dispenses it to us, the layman, the dummies, in a very sort of digestible way and makes it interesting. It is Ted Wynn from The Athletic. Ted, thanks so much for joining the show today. No problem. Thank you for kind words, and thank you for having me on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, you, you do a great job, and it's 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 cool. You can go back and learn something about, you know, this, a rookie right guard and what and, you know, just his impact on the team. Uh, I want to start here. You tweeted this three days ago. Brock Purdy is going to destroy draft discourse for years. And we'll start here. How much of what you've seen, if we were going to do a, a pie chart, how much of his success is about his own talent? How much of it is about the talent around him? And then the third part, the scheme that is implemented. Of those three factors, is there one that stands out for you? Uh, well, I, I tweeted that because, you know, I heard um, Herb Street talk about Stetson Bennett um, on uh, the oh, no. uh, National oh, no, really? game. And he, <laughs> and he started saying, like, I, you know, I could see him being good at a Kyle Shanahan offense, you know. So um, I, I could already see, like, all these narratives being written around or talked about um, – Brock Purdy and his success in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and it's it, it's a whole you know black hole we can get down another time. But yeah. to get back to your question specifically, uh, I, I think with the Niners, obviously they have one of the best cache you know of weapons in the league with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, CMC. Those guys are so good at creating after the catch, and obviously Kyle Shanahan is so good at scheming up ways to get them in space. But I think a big part of it does have to do with Kyle Shanahan's scheme, and we've seen other quarterbacks have success. We've seen back quarterbacks have success in that system. Uh, but to give Brock Purdy credit, um, he he's had he's been one of the more successful uh, quarterbacks in this Shanahan offense. I think part of it is his skill set. I mean, he's very poised. He's really good against the blitz. He actually brings another dimension that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't bring, which is his ability to create outside of structure. So, um, but I think the big thing is just his, his poise. I mean, being able to go, go into a team that's a championship contender with those high expectations and play the way he has, he, he definitely should get credit for that. Uh, but also he probably would not be looking this good if he was playing for any other team. But, I, you know, I don't want to detract from what he's doing because yeah. it, it is pretty unique. Uh, but you also have to consider – um, the offense he's in with skilled players around him and 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 scheme he's in as well. Oh yeah, you, you, uh, he's, if he was in New England, he's not putting up these numbers. Actually, going back to the discourse around him, um, how tired are you going to be 
if if and I was joking about this earlier in the show, if the 49ers win a playoff game or two when there's 17 different articles about how Mark Purdy is uh, the next Kurt Warner, the next Tom Brady, and and people start saying things like you don't need to draft a quarterback in the first round. And you're right, you don't. If you have Shanahan as your coach, Kittle as your wideout, Ayuk and Samuel as your running backs, Trent Brown as your left tackle, and Christian McCaffrey running the ball. As long as you got all those things, no, you don't need a quarterback in the top ten. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the part I was getting at with the Brock Purdy discussion is that, um, you know, those Kurt, Kurt Warner, uh, Tom Brady, those things happened before Twitter and, and before – of draft discourse has gotten to the point that has gotten to right now. So, um, you know, there, yes, you can find a starting quarterback outside of the first round, but when you look at how rare it is, it, it's yeah. extremely, extremely rare to do. Uh, I mean, even, even in the first round, obviously you have guys that don't work out, but it's the, the hit rate outside of the first round is even smaller out, out, outside the first round. So I just think that, um, you know, you, you cannot rely on finding a quarterback outside the first round if you are a team looking for a quarterback. Yeah, I look at the AFC, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. None of those guys were drafted 199th. None of them were bagging groceries. None of them were Mr. Irrelevant. Um, from The Athletic, we're joined by Ted Wynn. I want to move over to the Chargers and the Jaguars game. And it feels like everyone is on the Chargers, and maybe it's Justin Herbert's hair, maybe it's his arm talent, and maybe it's just no one wants to trust Jacksonville. But when I look at the season, Jacksonville's got a lot more impressive wins under their belt than the, than the Chargers do this year. I think their only win against a team over 500 is Miami. So I'm actually kind of leaning towards Jacksonville, which I feel like puts me in the minority. I'm curious how you attack this game. Yeah, I think um, in that week three matchup when the Jaguars dominated the the Chargers, that, that game came right after um, Trevor, I mean, uh, right after Justin Herbert um, broke his rib in, in that week two matchup against um, the Chiefs, and it, it was really affecting um, the way he was throwing, the way he was moving. And in that game, they also lost Joey Bosa. Uh, so I, I, I will, I think this matchup will be a lot closer than that week three uh, oh, yeah. matchup. I. I and I definitely will not play, you know, downplay Jacksonville and things they've done. I think the people that like the Chargers in this game uh, are looking at the fact that the Chargers are getting as healthy as they've been at any point during the season. And they do have a lot of blue chip talent. The Jaguars are a team that, um, you know, you don't see a, a ton of blue chip talent. They're more of a collective um, and they're playing very well. Doug Peterson's doing a great job, and obviously Trevor Lawrence is starting to ascend into that elite quarterback class. But, you know, when you look at their team overall, you just don't see a ton of blue-chip talent. Um, they've suffered some bad injuries at the wrong time. They lost left tackle Cam Robinson, um, and, and that's going to be an issue against when you're going against Cleo Mack and, and Joey Bosa. So I, I think it's going to be a close matchup. And, and in, the, in the playoffs, you know, you need those blue-chip players to – to play, but I do agree with you that when you look at the overall um, season and the quality wins that the Jaguars had in the regular season, uh, it, it is more impressive. But I, I think when you look at the Chargers and you're projecting, um, you know what kind of the the elite players they have, you're projecting that yeah. those guys are going to make make a difference. 
Yeah, and, and you know what? The health thing is a, is a really good point, and you're right. In terms of just pure blue-chip talent, the Chargers have more than the Jags. Hey, Ted, before we move on, I, have you been able – because, I mean, you do so much film work, but have you been able to break down the Chargers' passing game? And if you haven't, that's fine. You're a busy man. No one gets to everything. i got a 100 other questions. But I, I'm curious about it, but only if you've really kind of looked at Justin Herbert this year. Yeah, you know, I think with Justin Herbert um... – he, the, that rib injury really affected him for for a, a, quite a few games in, in the middle in the beginning of the season. Uh-huh. Um, also, the offensive line suffered a ton of injuries. So, uh, and, and just the, the the nature of Joe Lombardi's offense is you know, he he wants to pass short. He wants to do those quick passes. You see a lot of That's the same my- concepts over and over again. Yeah, see, that's the point so, I wanted to get you. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, and it's, it, this is per, this is perfect, and you sort of answered it. But when I, I was looking at all this stuff, where his yards, his depth, his uh, per pass, and his yards, his average yards per pass was very Matt Ryan esque. Is that just how much of that is offensive line issues and rib injuries? Uh, I think it's a combination of Joe Lombardi's offense, so it's a combination of his injury and, and a combination of um, the state of the offensive line. Um, you know, I, I think Joe Lombardi, he, he comes from that Sean Payton Saints passing offense that uh, Drew Brees ran for so long. And, you know, Drew Brees is a guy who, who uh, was so good at getting rid of the ball quickly and, and doing all those quick passes. But when you have a guy like um, Justin Herbert who could – extend plays who could throw the ball downfield sometimes it just doesn't make sense how um how short they how much they they passed it um you know behind behind the stick yeah. so uh you want to see him in offense is a little more vertically based uh but that's just the reality he's dealing with right now and um hopefully with the offensive line getting a little more healthy with uh you know mike williams hopefully playing this game and Keenan Allen, that um, they, they get a little bit more aggressive because I think they have to um, in order to make some noise in the playoffs. I hope you're right. I, I You know what? I am i don't care if I'm wrong with my prediction. I just hope the over hits. I want to see these two quarterbacks just entertain us for three hours. Who do you – this might be the hardest question I'm going to ask you. Who do you trust more, Minnesota or the Giants? They were combined 22-11-1, and, and they were combined to be outscored on the season by nine. Yeah, you know, I think <laughs> the Giants, <laughs> the Giants has overachieved. You know, they uh, yeah, they have. When you when you look at the roster, you're just like, how did they win all those games? And no it's such a, such credit to Brian De- um, Dable and Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale. Those guys really got the most out of um, out of the roster over there. And you know, like every week, I'm just like, I don't think they could win. I don't think they could do it again. And they end up doing it again. Um, so when I, you know, when I look at the Vikings, I, I do think they're a flawed team. I, I do think that um, they've certainly gotten pretty lucky to, to won as many games as they have. Um, because when you play, you know, when you're playing in as many close games as they have, it gets swing either way, and, and we've seen that time and time again. Uh, but I do think the Vikings are more talented than um, the, the Giants are. I think Kirk yeah. Cousins is a more seasoned quarterback than. Um, than Daniel Jones, and ultimately, I, I do think the Vikings will win this game. Um, but I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if the Giants won. But I do think the Vikings are the better overall team. Um, but I, I don't I don't see them going too far in the playoffs. But I I, I think they have enough to beat the Giants. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. At the Vikings, I think they even cover that three points. Uh, last question for you, and again, check out his work at the Athletic. It's like just for the money what you have to spend for a year, uh, you are getting your money's worth within the first month. Is the only Achilles heel for the Bills? Because I think that'd be the biggest shock if Miami somehow won this game. To me, the only way is Josh Allen who 14 interceptions on the year is the only way the bills lose is if Josh Allen throws three picks and Miami finds a way to run for 200 yards. Yeah, I think um, Miami had a really good game on the ground against the bills in, in week 15 and yeah. they're going to be starting rookie Skylar Thompson. And, you know, even with the weapons that he has, you don't want Skylar Thompson throwing the ball 30 times a game. Um, so if, the the Dolphins are able to replicate the success they had on the ground in Week 15, um, keep the ball out of Thompson's hands, keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, um, and Josh Allen ha- you know has a couple untimely turnovers. That's the only way they could muck up this game enough to have a chance. But if those two things don't happen, then this should be a, a runaway for the Bills. Actually, before I end this, and yeah, I, I agree. Um, what, is there one thing for you of all the matchups, all the games, all the, you know, uh, this uh, defensive lineman versus this tackle, is there one matchup that really has your interest, that has really got your interest? Uh, yeah, I, I think all these matchups are, are, are pretty interesting, but, you know, the, the Bengals offense has been so good this year, but Joe Burrow has really struggled against the Ravens defense this year. And, you know, they scored 27 huh. points against the Ravens last week, but a touchdown came off of a fumble, uh, a strip sack of, um, of Tyler Huntley in the end zone. And another t- touchdown came off of a I- interception. They, um, they had to set them up in uh, Ravens territory. Um, so there's just something about this Ravens defense that, um, that, Joe Burrow really struggles with. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this game a lot closer um, than people think. And that Ravens offense is going to struggle. But, you know, if they they get a break or two, I think that game ends up being a a little closer than than people think. Ted, really appreciate uh, you joining the show today. Enjoy the weekend. And, again, we enjoy the work that you do for the Athletic. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. That is Ted Wynn who does excellent job just in terms of breaking down the film of what you're seeing on Sunday and trying to explain a little bit better about what the hell is it that we're watching.